Welcome to the Rise to the Challenge podcast. Joining you today, she's an entrepreneur, author, speaker, and producer. It's Dr. Empress Rose Green. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, thanks. I'm doing well. I'm happy to be here and to be, you know, doing this interview. We're so excited to have you on the show to talk about your rise to the challenge. What we like to do with all of our guests is go right to the beginning. Talk about where you're from and what you like doing growing up. So um, I was born in Jamaica, St. Mary, Jamaica, and I migrated to the U.S. in 1990. Um, so I've been in the U.S. for quite a while. Um, growing up, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur where, you know, I would wear um, various hats. And um, I'm happy to say that, uh, you know, from a very young age, the things that I would have liked to um, do in terms of my entrepreneurialism, I have been able to attain all those things plus more as well. Was there anyone, family member, friends that kind of made you want to start getting an entrepreneur, like kind of that setting? Or was it something that just sparked your interest out of nowhere? Um, quite interestingly, um, my parents are in the medical field. So, you know, my siblings would always like at the dinner table, they would ask, you know, how you guys, what do you guys would like to do and stuff? And I was always like, well, I want to run track and field. I want to be a hairdresser. Um, I want to do music. I, and I'm listening them out. And my parents would say, um, I'm sorry, you can't do all of that. You have to pick one. And I said, why not? And so where all my siblings wanted to be a doctor, mine was all those things. And about two years ago, I was driving with my mom. She looked over and said to me, um, do you remember when you were growing up and you would list off all the things you wanted to do? And I started laughing. She says, and it's interesting. You're the only kid who said what you wanted to do and actually end up doing it. Wow. <laughs> so, yes. Do you feel that it was hard to kind of go against maybe what your parents wanted you to do, but it gave you kind of that like, like excitement because you got to really crave or create your path that you wanted to go? Um, it wasn't quite as exciting, I must say, because my parents didn't, um, my parents didn't want me to do all those things. So I was told to pick one. So actually my, my, um, I would be punished because I couldn't, I would just never agree to one. Mm -hmm. So I would always have to wash plates and do all the chores because I would not give one set thing that I would do. Um, but you know, later in life, um, it's all the things that I wanted to be and that, I, that I've, that I've become plus more actually helped me, um, you know, for the life that it is that I live. And I realized as well that my personality has a lot to do with everything, you know, that I chose to do along the path that I chose. How did you find interest in track and field? You mentioned that was one of the things that you wanted to do. Yes. So I was very good in primary school, high school, um, with track and field even afterwards. Um, I, I dabbled in different sports and I was good. Um, in primary school, I ran everything up to the mile, the 100, 200, 400, 800, the mile. And I did it well. I always, you know, wouldn't, 
I was very competitive. I don't want anyone to beat me. So, of course, <laughs> you know, I, I aim to always, you know, um, be first um, in the races and stuff like that as well. As I got into high school, it became more competitive because now, you know, I had various persons that were doing better um, than me in, in a few of the sports. So I also um, started to do um, field, not just run track. Um, and I was very good at high jump, but to be frank with you, um, I always like go back and think about it and like, how did I get over that pole? I don't <laughs> remember how I got over that pole, but I was actually good as well, you know, running track, but also doing the field as well. Um, as I matriculated and I, I came to the U.S. as well, um, I still kept on, you know, competing and stuff like that. Um, and in 2004, I decided that, you know, I wanted to train for the Olympic trials. Um, and whilst training for the trials or getting ready for my trials, I got injured. And that injury, um, because of how severe it was, I was, on a, I was immobile for a year and almost 11 months, almost a year and 11 months. Um, and then from that point, you know, I was told that I couldn't, I, well, I, comp I started training for 2008. And um, in 2007, I started recognizing there was an issue. Each time I would, you know, um, do my workouts, when I ran, I would see black dots as I'm running, as I'm sprinting. And um, I decided to go to the doctors. I went to about eight doctors. They said, there's nothing wrong. I'm healthy, you know, because of course they know I'm in top shape. And I think um, they didn't catch it right away. But being home one day, I started recognizing that I could hardly breathe. And I, there was something wrong. There was just this um, pain in my back. Um, went to the emergency room and um, I told the, the doctor, I'm called, you know, what, why, what was, what I was experiencing. And they gave me a CAT scan, and um, usually a CAT scan, you are 45 minutes to an hour. Mm -hmm. About 20, 25 minutes after the CAT scan, I saw the doctors come up to me, and they ran up to me and started, you know, putting IV in my arm. Told me that I was lucky if I was outside for five more minutes, I would have dropped dead. Um, it so happened that when I was immobile, it created blood clots in my legs, and the blood clots move through my lungs. So I was, I just made it to the hospital in time. Wow. What a journey from going from training super hard, having that competitiveness and then coming in something health related took that opportunity away. Do you, where you are now, how is your health compared to where you were at that time? Do you feel, do you have those moments are you able to kind of bring out that competitiveness in other ways or are you still out there running and enjoying that kind of sport? Well, um, I'm very competitive. Um, I, I train athletes now. So I write the program for some of the athletes and then some athletes I physically, you know, train them as well. But I was told um, after that incident, actually, when I was in the hospital, um, they admitted me and because of the blood clot, um, that I had, they had to put me on like heparin, um, 
And in order for me to leave, they had to try to bridge me to Kumadin, which is a blood thinner. Mm-hmm. And when they tried to bridge the, I, my body was rejecting it. So the nurses would come to me and actually say, I'm sorry, there's nothing else we can do for you. So I thought they meant that I'm going home. I didn't understand what they were trying to tell me. So the chief of the hospital had to come down and sat by my bed one day. And he said, um, I'm sorry, but I am, the nurses have been trying to tell you something. And I don't think you understand what they're saying. Um, I said, yes, they told me there's nothing else they could do for me. So I understand that I'll be going home soon. He said, no, there's a little bit more than that. The medicine, the only medicine that will keep you alive, your body is rejecting it. This was in 2009. The body is rejecting it. So I said, um, I don't understand. Why, why is it rejecting it? No, 2007, I'm sorry. So I said, um, why is the body rejecting it? Says, um, we don't know. We have done everything. So in, what I'm saying is that when we take these machines off of you, we have no idea how long you will live because that's the only medicine that will keep you alive. So I felt like, it felt like the rug just pulled from underneath me when they said that, um, of course, you know. So um, I, know, I cried my eyes out and I got home and I couldn't walk. But my dad, who passed away, um, he's deceased for um, seven years now. Um, my dad, that was a special, that was what he um, studied. Um, for his residency, and I didn't know. So when I called him and told him what was wrong, and by the time I left the hospital again, I wasn't able to walk again. And so he basically helped me back to recovery by telling me over the phone things to do um, in order to be, you know, able to. So since 2007, we're in what, 2023, um, 16 years later, I'm still alive. Yes. And I was told that I can't compete anymore. So that's when I started. I was already coaching, but I didn't really take it that seriously. I just knew whoever I touched, they were doing better. And so after I was told that I couldn't compete anymore, I started focusing on um, having my own track and field club um, and still being able to do um, some of the other things that I was doing. But those, you know, fall back in place over time. But it was a very difficult period, you know, even years after, just to think that I wanted to train for the Olympics. Um, I was almost there, but then it was taken away from me. With being still a part of the sport, with coaching, having the track and field club, what has been a memorable moment for you? Um, I think memorable moments are um, one memorable moment or there's there's lots um and i think the thing for me is that whichever athlete i touch which i can knock on wood and say every athlete that has come to me whether it be to writing their program whether it be through working with them one-on-one they have always bettered their time Mm -hmm. they have always bettered i haven't had an athlete that have come to me and ran a time and left running the same time it has never been worse it has always been better when you're teaching, what is one thing that you tell your 
um, students that from your experience that you want to reciprocate for them or help them evolve, but not on the field, but them as a person? Because a lot of the skills that runners do, they teach Mm -hmm. themselves that they can take outside of the sport. What is something that you learned about yourself that you try to help them with? Um, You know, I come from very humble beginnings, of course. And um, I always try to tell them that, you know, um, no matter if if you, for all the athletes to come to me, this is something I always tell them. When When I give you a workout to do, and you don't feel like doing it, just understand that. Um, I'm not giving you the workout and, and hoping that you'll fail. You have to just get the workouts done um, to your full potential. Even if that day you didn't, you know, you didn't do so well, you actually attempted to. But if you don't do it, um, it is actually a recipe where you're aiming for something. And that's one of the reasons why I train athletes for national championships at the Olympics, because there is a goal. If you're just training just to train, there is no goal. And the goal is that whichever workout you get, whether or not it's done um, to the best of your ability, it's always just better to attack it. Sometimes I've been to practice where I didn't feel like training that day. And that day just end up becoming the best day ever, you know? So um, sometimes we think we can't do something. And in truth and in fact, we can. It's just the, you know, that thought at that moment or, you know, to change your mind or think that it cannot happen. So, yeah. Well, even with that same concept, even outside of sport, you can use it anywhere. Mm-hmm. If you're doing a task for your own company or you have a personal goal that you're fighting for, it makes you more excited to go out there and like do the workouts or do the trainings, do the activities so that you reach yeah. that goal. It just brings more excitement than if you're like working out every day. And like you said, if you don't have a goal, like I just completed a tough mutter, but I was working towards that goal. Or if you're working mm-hmm. to build a business to a certain level, you're going to go out there and make every step to get to that goal and then find that next goal within what you're doing. That's true. That's true. Yes. During the time that you were have, through 2007, 2008, did you ever pivot and find a different path outside of wanting to coach? Did you find other areas? Because you talked about the list of things that you wanted to do. Did you ever find something mm-hmm. else and you start that? Um, yes. Um, actually, part of my journey, um, I thought I would never walk again. Um, well, and, and, and that's how important it is, what we tell ourselves every day. Right. And I had to go back to that place where I was telling my athletes, you know, you may think that when you turn up for a practice that in truth and in fact, you this is not the day you're you're not going to do well mm-hmm. um, coming out, you know, and doing what you're doing. And I had to start thinking along those lines because I didn't want to just be in one place anymore. So I now started to write. Um, and that's when I first started to write my book. Not this book that came out recently, but my autobiography, which is still not out. Um, and as I started writing, was when I realized that how talented I was. 
And I just could not, I, I, I just couldn't fathom, like, I have so many talents at that time, but I never recognized how great even myself was, the life that I changed, you know, within that period of time um, leading up to that. And so I started writing that time. Um, and even with the book that I just um, published, which is a book of poems, one of the poems that is in that book talk about that period and basically what I was going through and what is the strength that allowed me to move forward. Um, I had to go back to thinking about, you know, a specific time where um was very down. I think I would have not come out of it. And that strength that helped me to pivot forward, you know, and do what I had to do. So within that period of time, um, I was able to get back to where I am right now, you know? So um, it helped. It helped. Do you feel poems was an easier kind of way to express like emotions, feelings that you had that uh, when a reader was reading it, they could really connect with it? Um, yes, yes. Um, what I did was I have a book that's coming out for July and that book is eight short stories based on different circumstances that have happened in my life. And those eight short stories, I, um, summarized each chapter and then put it in the form of a point. And that's the, um, recent release behind closed doors where if if you purchase the book or have a chance to look at it and go through the point, then it will tell you exactly. You, you kind of have a sense as to what is included in each chapter mm-hmm. from homelessness, um, having cancer, um, being born at um, weighing a pound and a half. So when I, a pound and one ounce, when I was born, I only weighed a pound and an ounce because I was born, um, prematurely so that is the first point in the book it takes you from birth all the way up to adulthood what so um but i didn't answer your question completely but yes for me in terms of doing the poems itself was kind of like i have so many stories and so many things that has happened and i would like to put out the book however it took me even a while to you know for me to think okay i'm going to put the book out um my editor um said to me that you know these are stories that are life-changing for persons who always think that they cannot they're not good enough or they cannot move forward so you need to put this book out but in in terms of your response as well it's like or to your question it's um the book of poems is an is a feel to kind of feel what it's like, you know, when the bigger picture is put out there. Because for myself, I always, uh, you know, pull it back and says, no, it's okay. Let me just leave it alone and move on. Because there's a lot of information in terms of things that I've been through. I think what you touched on with each chapter or each poem is a specific to what you've gone through. And I think that's so crucial that people are able to read that because Nowadays, I think some people are afraid to say, I've gone through this or no one else has uh-huh. gone through what I've done, gone through. And I think 
that is such a powerful tool where people can read it. And if they have gone through similar journeys, they're able to connect and that can kind of bridge your story with their story and be able to connect the two where they could reach out and talk to you even more about it. And I think that's so special nowadays where people are being more open about their stories because there's times where people were afraid to share because they didn't want to tell what was going on. But I think nowadays it's so crucial because it's building that community, building that support group nowadays. Yes. Yes, it is. It is. Um, for me, and something that I've stated in the book itself, is um, there are persons who look up to me, mm-hmm. you know, um, who see me in a certain light. And and even for myself, like, I've wondered, like, what? <laughs> Why? <laughs> you know? Um, but it is what it is. And so persons have reached out to me and I've requested, is like, and Empress Rose, I, I really need to speak with you about what I'm going through right now. And to be frank with you, um, at least 45% of these persons, I've never met them before. Mm-hmm. But it's because they have either listened to my radio show, someone have tell them, told them about me. Um, they have seen um, me working through the trenches and trying to, you know, do better for myself and to help others along the way. So, the, you know, it, it's a time where persons were coming and I wanted to share my story with them. You know, I can't share it with everyone and every story with everyone because there's so much stories to go around, um, factual stories, that is. So it would be better, let me put it in the book so they could realize it. And since I've, you know, um, since I've published the book, there are persons who have reached out to me and said, oh my God, here I am talking to you about this and I never realized that you went through so much to get where you are right now. Um, And I'm calling you and I'm telling you this is what's going on in my life and you've never once led me to know or even said to me that you have been through the various things that is highlighted in the book, of course, but it it's it is what it is, you know. The I am I am happy that I'm able to have something that persons can reach out and says I I I read your book, I read the poems, I under now I understand, and now persons can say I understand why you're an introvert because I am an introvert as well. With sharing your story through poems, did you ever feel that there was something more you could do with sharing your story with speaking or in other platforms? Yes, but what happened is that I feel like, um, what do you say? You have to pick your poison mm-hmm. because if I have to talk about all these stories at one time, it's, you know, it can be very traumatizing for me as well. Because even with yeah. doing the book of points, I have to go back and I have to remember. I have to go back and remember what happened within that time. Because, you know, um, so I, I most recently I did an interview um, about the book of points. And I was telling the interviewer, you know, um, we come across persons who see points and they think, oh, it's just a point. And not even realizing that there are variations of points. And in order to get your 
point across as you recite the poem and as you write the poem, they have to make sense and fall within the variation of poem that you choose mm-hmm. um, as well. So with the emotions goes with the writing. And of course, it is that I have to now put myself within that mix to say, oh, wow, this is what happened at that time. And for me, the book is out. However, there is um, there is a dub poetry spoken word album that will be out reading each of those poems within a few weeks and so that you know you you have to put yourself in that position to get the point across and to make the poem worthwhile as well so if I had to put all of that in one environment I don't know that I'm ready to speak to an environment with with the number of things that happen the numerous um, things that has happened you know during this time yes and that's definitely understandable because you went through it. And a lot of us mm-hmm. think, could say, oh, well, she's already talked about it once. But like you mentioned, every time mm-hmm. you have to reshare it or retell it, it brings up those emotions. It brings up those feelings and moments. And yeah. sometimes it can be hard for someone because they don't want to have to remember those flashbacks. But you have the power to what you want to share. And that's so important nowadays. Yes. As a producer, what got you involved in being a producer? So from a very young age, I started, you know, writing. Not, I've been writing poems in the back of my textbooks and my regular books as well. My mom always reminded me of that um, for a very long time. I was always interested in music. And I grew up listening to some of the greats, you know, uh, Bob Marley, Lucky Dubay, mm-hmm. Whitney Houston, um, you know, um, Eric Clapton. And I studied the um, the notes, the just everything, uh, the music <laughs> since I was in primary school. So um, it was no, it, it, it didn't take away anything from me. Like when persons, and that's the thing about it, the numerous things that I'm doing, I've been doing them for so long that it doesn't feel like I'm working. The mm-hmm. new things, like, you know, I'm into film. So now it takes a little bit out of that. And to challenge myself, I have to pick things um, to work on that will challenge myself. You know, otherwise, it's like I'm doing the same thing routinely over and over again. So um, for me as a producer, it's someone calling me and says, I want a beat for one of my songs or a project that I'm working at. That's not a problem for me. I want you to write a song for me. That's not a problem for me. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's just the newer things that are, you know, time consuming because I have to learn about it. And it doesn't help that I'm a perfectionist. So, of course, that's going to take time to ensure that I get it done correctly um, as well. Is there a goal that you have for yourself when it comes to film and music that you're working towards? Um, I'm sorry, say that question again. We talked about goals and how working towards that goal. For you mm-hmm. with film and music, is there a goal that you have that you're working towards? Um, yes. Everything that I do has a goal. <laughs> yeah, everything that I do has a goal. Um, when I first started film, my my um, goal at the beginning was like, okay, as an independent filmmaker, I want to be able to win at least one award. And now I've won over 
70. Wow. So, you know, and, 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 and I've done it. I've done it. So the next thing is that I'm working on is actually to um, see my film in the movie theaters. So that's my goal right there. Um, and I have a timeline in terms of achieving that goal. So um, I've done independent filming where it has played in um, various um, parts of the world and they have shown it at various um, venues and stuff like that. Um, but of course, the next step would be to get a TV show, which is something that I'm actually in the process of working on as we speak. And then apart from that as well, to get um, a movie, something to the big screen as well. Do you feel that you have done so much and can be an inspiration to people growing up right now that even if you don't have the experience in doing it, you can, if you put your mind to it, you can go accomplish whatever you would like to do. Mm-hmm. Of course. Um, that's, that's every day. That's every day. That's um, persons that I speak with on a regular, you know, who call from day to day and, you know, they need motivation. It's, um, it's, it's something that I'm a motivational speaker and I have my own conference. I usually, this conference is done in Africa for at least four countries every year. COVID came around. I wasn't able to do it for both, but I was able to do it online where we did it virtually as well. Um, but for instance, when I did my very first conference was in South Africa. And I will never forget um, a young lady that I met in the lobby of my hotel. She actually came to the conference because someone told her to come to the conference so she could speak with me. It was her first time getting her a music out there. And as she was speaking with me and she was rubbling about my hair, my beauty and everything <laughs> she didn't realize I was the person she came to see so I asked her I says why are you here she says um are you know are you on vacation or something she says no uh, you know a friend of mine she told me about this lady and that she's having a conference and I need to speak with her about my career because I'm going to start recording but I would like to ensure that I have all the pieces so I let her keep talking and um as you know she's like Oh, my boyfriend is coming. It's going to take, let's take a picture. And I saw the boyfriend smirking. So I said, you know what? Maybe he recognized me, but she don't realize it's me. So I introduced myself. I says, oh, you know that lady that you're coming to see? That's me. And uh, the boyfriend had to run over to her because she almost fainted. It was quite interesting. But I got to the conference and because of where she told me she traveled from, which she took a plane, she took two buses, she took a taxi. And she had to walk part of the way to come see me. And I was so impressed. I was like, whoa, somebody came to see me. I can't believe that and travel all that way. It wasn't until um, at the conference now I asked, um, are there anyone else who came from um, another country or took transportation or a flight to get here? Please stand. And then 13 persons um, stood up. And I had to ask the question again, did you travel from another country to get here? Um, finding out that actually 11 persons traveled to get there. So there's over eight countries um, that came to see me and I could not believe it. That's awesome. 
Yes. And 90% of the persons there, I had no clue who they were. That was my first time meeting them. We talked about your journey that you have been on. When you're not working, what does Rose like to do every day for fun? When I'm not working? (laughs) Okay. So there are periods where I don't want to hear, you know, even though I work in music, I like silence. Um, and I'm an introvert, so I am more of, unless I really need to do something, then you'll find me at home. Mm-hmm. Um, or unless I'm traveling, you know, somewhere, then that's that. Um, but while I'm at home, I like quietness um, because I work in the music and there, you know, and then there is the social media and all the other things that are attached to it. So I don't want to always be going mm-hmm. so on any given day just quietness yeah do you have you talked about traveling do you have a destination that you hope to travel to in the future yes yeah, so for my for my book of poems um being requested to do a tour um in africa so I, as of now, I have three countries um, with a total of about seven um, events for within like a month. Wow. So I'm uh, looking forward to it. Um, it's my first time, um, you know, actually reading my poems out like that. So I get to, ex- you know, um, trial and error yeah. <laughs> while I'm there as well. Yeah. The final question I'll ask you for someone that's listening to this interview based on your journey and experience, what tips or advice would you give them to overcome obstacles, accomplish their goals and rise to the challenge? Um, What advice would I give to rise into the challenge, Um, their goals and dreams? I would always say everyone out there who has a, um, a goal that start right now. Okay, not unless it's something that is preventing you from starting. And and there are two or three, four or five different ways to attack your goals. There's never just one way. Um, you know, I it there's a quote that I go by every day. And anyone that follow me on social media, this is a quote that I um put out there uh, almost once a week, sometimes twice a week. Okay. And it's never, never forget to just keep on going and do what it is that you do, because it is that, you know, don't let anyone keep you down because it is that, you know, the, the are, <laughs> let me find, let me find the quote because I want to make sure that I say it correctly, to be frank with you as well. And I, it is by an unknown. There is no name attached to it, but it says, never be afraid to do something new. Remember, amateurs built the ark and professionals built the Titanic. Okay. So what that means is that you, no matter where you are, you can start something and you can be good at it. You might think that you're not good at it and you, you you surprise yourself as well. When I did my first documentary, it was my first time doing that documentary and I had no idea what would happen. 
However, he got me 62 nominations. And out of those 62 nominations, I was able to receive 47 um, honorable mentions and won awards and different medals and stuff from doing it. So don't, don't give up. And I never saw within myself that I was going to be able to um, be someone to do a documentary. I never see myself in that light. I thought about paying persons to do it, but my back was against the wall and I had no capital and I had to figure out what's my next move. So I decided to do a documentary and there it is. I got there and was able to, you know, win lots of awards as an independent filmmaker. So to anyone who listening, the sky's the limit. Don't ever think you cannot do, you know, what it is that you would like to do. There are circumstances that will prevent you. For myself, I've been told not once, not two, more than three times that this is it. And I'm still standing. I was told that you wouldn't walk again. And I am still standing. I can walk. There's nothing wrong. I can move around. I can run. So let that story be a story for anyone listening. The sky's the limit. Keep on going. Well, Rose, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about your rise to the challenge. You're inspiring so many people, and we are excited to see what the future looks like for you. Oh, sure thing. Sure thing. I thank you for having me as well, and I hope that this story, you know, reach the ears of persons or someone who think that they just could not um, do the next best thing and that you, this is a resource for them as well. I thank you for having me. Tune in next time here my next guest talk about their rise to the challenge. Remember to follow and subscribe on all major audio platforms and make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel through the full-length episode and video format. What path do you take to accomplish your goals? You decide.